0: This is Hick at Night. Here's Ryan Hickey. Welcome and thank you for making us a part of your evening right here on CBS Sports Radio. I like Tuesdays. I know it's kind of a weird thing to say. People like uh, people like Friday, people like Saturday, people like Sunday, people like the weekend, the holidays. I like Tuesday in the NFL season. Because Tuesday's kind of the last day, but also a good chance to reflect on what we kind of saw. Digest it all on Monday and now kind of say, okay... What do we actually see on Sunday and Monday in the NFL that now with kind of a clear conscience and maybe a little bit more perspective we can talk about and talk about um, in an accurate way. So I want to kind of do a little talk it out Tuesday here. Break down a few things we saw from this Sunday and Monday and kind of what it means for this season and going forward. Let's start with this. Let's start with the future of Kirk Cousins. The NFL trade deadline is one week from today. Halloween. Kirk Cousins is the biggest name right now on the potential trade block, right? You never see quarterbacks traded. He's a free agent at the end of the season, and he could choose to go wherever he wants. I don't think the Vikings could or should trade Kirk Cousins after Monday night's win. I think they got to keep him now for two reasons. Number one, and the biggest one is this. What are you actually getting back in a trade, right? It's one thing to just tank and offload a player. But it's another thing to trade a quarterback of Kirk Cousins' value for something. You're not giving Kirk Cousins away. You're not just going to throw a lifeline to the Jets or anyone else and offer Kirk Cousins for like a sixth round pick. You got to think of your Minnesota what's in it for me? What am I getting back? And I don't think they're getting back a lot. Third round pick, fourth round pick. Like, look at this realistically there's 10 games left, right? If Kirk is traded tomorrow, sure he could play on Sunday. Unlikely. So let's just say if he's traded, he has nine games left with whatever T trains for him. Teams are not giving up a first or a second round draft pick to get nine games of Kirk Cousins and then watch him become a free agent. Why would you? That, that's malpractice by any GM to trade a first or a second-round pick to get Kirk Cousins on your team for nine games in the hopes of making a playoff run. Can't do it. So that's one reason. And the second reason is, who's actually trading for him? I've advocated since week one, the Jets should trade for Kirk Cousins. Well, the Jets have been committed to Zach Wilson. The longer they go with Zach Wilson, the less likely it is. And look, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is coming back. I think it's honestly, frankly, a joke that that's even in the discussion of him returning this season. It's not happening, but the Jets at least are not ruling it out. Robert Sala is not saying no. So if at least the Jets are publicly saying there's a chance he could come back, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to remove his locker. We're going to leave a spot for him on the roster. Well, if you think there's even a slight chance of, of Rogers coming back this season, then why would you trade for Kirk? Because you're not going to bench Kirk Cousins be trade for him in December or January in favor of Aaron Rodgers coming back. So the Jets seem at least to be kind of hitching their wagons a little bit to the hope, the prayer, the thought that maybe um, Aaron Rodgers could return. So I think they can be ruled out of the mix for the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes. Falcons. I mean, right now they're four and three. They're in first place in the NFC South. Desmond Ritter getting better. He's getting a little bit more consistent. Not as good as I think you hope by this point, but I think he's showing signs where you're not throwing him, you know, throwing him out yet, and just bailing on him completely. So I think the Falcons are out. Commanders. I just don't think they would do it right now. I mean, Ron Rivera is desperate to win. I don't think the Washington front office though is that desperate to win. So I don't think there's a market right now for Kirk. And if you're if there's no market, that means you're not getting a good trade-off for back. If you're not getting a good trade-off for back, along with right now having a soft schedule, even though, again, even if Minnesota makes it, I'm not going to sit here like I believe in them to win a playoff game, let alone multiple playoff games. But right now, the if the alternatives are make a playoff run or trade Kirk Cousins like a fourth pick, a fourth round pick. I'm taking the playoff front if I'm Minnesota and see whatever happens, happens. All right, another takeaway here that I want to kind of talk about. Justin Herbert, man. It's time for Justin Herbert to start living up to his contract. Chargers are two and four after their loss at Kansas City on Sunday. I think a lot of blame is on Herbert's shoulders. He's got to be flat out better. He's got to be better. That second half... Of the Chiefs game. By him was atrocious. In a tie game. Or I should say excuse me. Down by seven. 24-17. The entirety of the second half. You score zero points. You throw a pick in the red zone. Three straight three and outs on offense. You lose the game. You don't score a point in the second half. You are paying. If you're the Chargers. Justin Herbert. 52 and a half million dollars a year. To make those around him better. And quite the opposite's happening. He needs help. That's not the way it should be. You need one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league, someone you believe is elite, and one of the best QBs in the league. You need them in a tie game or a close game on the road against a divisional opponent that has owned you. You need your quarterback to make plays, to get you in the game, to steal you a win, to make it interesting. Couldn't do it. And this is not the first time either that Justin Herbert, I think, has fallen short in the second half of games, especially this season. Again, 2-4 and with the talent they have. I know Austin Eckler was banged up. Sure, Mike Williams is out for the year. You got Keenan Allen. Austin Eckler returned. Palmer's been a good replacement for Mike Williams. Defense is stacked with talent. They have not played up to their potential. And there's a whole lot more talent on L.A.'s roster than a lot of other rosters uh, in the NFL. And yet, they're sitting there two and four. And in four years of Justin Herbert, will make the playoffs one time out of four. No playoff wins. That's a major disappointment. And Brandon Staley, right, is the, the poster child. He is the... He's the guy who gets a lot of the blame for their struggles and will be fired at the end of the season. Brandon Staley deserves blame, and his game management has been awful. But with that said, Justin Herbert is also a a big reason why we're sitting sitting here talking about an L.A. team that's 2-4. and He's not been clutch when they need him to be. He's not been one of the best quarterbacks when they need him to be. And he right now is not playing like the contract says he should play. There's got to be a lot of blame on Herbert, and we saw that, I think, again, on our TV on Sunday in Kansas City. Okay, this was really interesting. You catch this on Sunday morning? Sunday morning before the slate kicked off, a report from Ian Rapaport came out there that Bill Belichick, in the offseason, quietly signed an extension, a lucrative long-term extension. Let's play a little game here because I think this came out for one reason, because Bill is truly afraid of getting fired. Connect the dots: the Patriots going to Sunday against the Bills were one and five. Now they won the game, right? They won the game, but this was this was leaked out in the morning, before the game was played. So you could presume with how the Patriots have played on offense, especially they're going to lose at home to the Bills, and you would think fall to one and six there have been calls all season long so far for Bill Belichick to be fired. Some in season, some after the season. Bill Belichick has been on the hot seat really since week number one. And so you look at this, the the Patriots are 1-5 going into Sunday. They thought they were going to be 1-6. Why does this news come out now? Who stands to benefit Before a week seven game, the news that Bill Belichick in the offseason, so months ago, signed a long-term lucrative extension. I'll tell you who deserves or who stands to get the most uh, bang, who deserves to get the most praise for it, or deserves to get the most benefit from it, I should say. It's Bill Belichick. I think he leaked that out there. Maybe not him directly, but someone within his camp leaked that out there To kind of get some pressure off his back. I think he is truly worried about getting fired. Otherwise, this wouldn't have been leaked out there. Bill does not let anybody know about his contract. And so when it was signed months ago, who knows, March, April, May, June, whenever. And it was signed. It was obviously kept secret for a reason. But now, all of a sudden, hmm, not so secret. So I think Bill is using that news to kind of get some people off his back. Get some people to jump off the bandwagon of him getting fired and basically assume, okay, well, he's got the long-term extension. He's got the lucrative contract. He's not going anywhere. guess we could stop banging the fire Bill Belichick drum and maybe instead let's start banging... The trade Mac Jones drum. I don't buy it though, in the sense that just because he signed a long-term extension doesn't mean he gets fired. Or doesn't mean he doesn't get fired. I think that, to me this sounds like a golden parachute. For those succession fans out there, I mean, I guess that's a common term, so I'm not able to really explain it. I'm not a businessman, so I learned that from watching Succession, golden parachute. But this to me feels like okay, you sign a big term, uh, big time extension. Bill, we'll kind of help you out with all the success you've had, but if we got to fire you, at least you're going to go, go away with your pockets heavy, full of cash. I think this is Robert Kraft doing more Bill a favor if he has to do the you know, unthinkable firing Bill Belichick versus actually committing to Bill Belichick for the next few years and keeping him around in New England as the coach and GM for another five or six seasons. I don't see that happening. I think Robert Kraft wants to win. I think he's motivated and dedicated to win. I think he's not afraid to move on from Bill if it means this team gets better. But I think he's going to move on from Bill but I, uh, while, again, also kind of stuffing his pockets and um, making, at least monetarily, a little bit easier on Belichick. So this news is leaked out. I don't think it actually impacts the chances, um, or I should say, I don't think it impacts and makes... Bill less likely to get fired. That still is on the field. And if the Patriots don't turn it around, I think he will get fired. But you look at who put that out there. Patriots aren't leaking that it's bill. I think he is worried that, Oh boy, the heat's on him. He's trying to get some off. He's trying to get some off. Speaking of heat right now, the dolphins are under the pressure cooker right now. After their loss on Sunday night to the Eagles, A lot of people are calling the Finns the F-word. Frauds. They lost to the Eagles. They lost to the Bills. Two best teams they played, they lost. Everyone else, they played bad teams. They've smoked them. Here's why I think it's easy to call Miami frauds, but why they aren't. This is not an excuse. This is reality. That game on Sunday night, the Dolphins were down three offensive linemen. Your tackles were out. Your center was out. That's a problem. Good luck going against a good Eagles front uh, good Eagles front with three backups playing in front of Tua. Jalen Ramsey didn't play. Jalen Waddell was in and out of the lineup with a back injury. The Dolphins are banged up. Now the good news for them is help is on the way, right? Ramsey's returning within the next few weeks. Teron Arm said their great offensive lineman is not out for the season. Jalen Waddle should be healthier. The line should be healthier. This is a team that's going to get better in the health department. They got a lot of talent. And when they're healthier, that's, I think, when you can judge them. And also, too, look, I look at fraud as this, right? You are... A team that's a fraud is, right, like, oh, you beat the bad teams, but you can't beat the good teams. Well... Technically this year sure you could say that about the Dolphins through the first two games they played against the Bills and against Eagles they've lost. But go back to last year. Sure they lost this game. But they played the Bills in the playoffs with Skylar Thompson, their third-string quarterback, and scored 31 points and almost won. A fraudulent team is getting housed in that game 31 to 3 and going home with their tail between their legs. They made plays. They hung around. Mike McDaniel called some good plays in order to get this offense humming with, again, a third string quarterback. They're not frauds. They are built. If you look at how the Dolphins play football, don't get distracted by the spinoramas and the deep balls of Tyreek Hill. This team is built for playoff football. They run the ball down your throat and they have a physical defense. That is what wins in the postseason. Miami is one of the best rushing teams in the league. Now, they didn't show it on, uh, on Sunday, again, in part because of the offensive line injuries, but they are one of the best rushing teams in the NFL, and they got a really good defensive line that's physical and tough. Despite all the flash you see, they are built. They are built for the postseason. And finally... Really fast here. The last thing I want to mention this is not for this season. This is for going forward here. And I promise I'm not saying this just because I'm a Colts fan. This is the facts. One of the most explosive offenses you will see for years to come is going to be in Indianapolis. Look at what the Colts' offense did against the Browns. A historic, by the way, Browns' defense. The first five games, in terms of third downs, uh, third down conversion, first downs allowed. Total yards allowed. They are putting up historically low numbers that even the 1985 Bears defense would would blush at with how dominant Cleveland has been. And on Sunday, with a backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew, the Colts hung 38 points and put up 456 yards of total offense against this great Browns defense. Don't look now through seven weeks. The Colts are sixth in the league in points per game and 10th in total offense. They have done this while Gardner Minshew has played a majority of the season at quarterback. Anthony Richardson has been hurt and in and out of the lineup and now out for the year. But a majority of the offensive success has come with Gardner Minshew at QB. The Colts are the only team this season to score 20 points in every game. Shane Steichen is legit. And my goodness, when he gets Anthony Richardson back healthy next year, Add Jonathan Taylor, a healthy Jonathan Taylor, and an effective, non-rusty Jonathan Taylor to the mix next year. Holy smokes. This is going to be a fun, high-flying, explosive offense for years to come. I am warning you right now. All right, when we return here on CBS Sports Radio, new details have emerged from the Michigan cheating scandal. We learned from ESPN on Monday that a Michigan staffer Connor Stallions bought tickets to 30 different Big 10 team uh Big 10 team games in order to scout them that were, you know, teams that are on Michigan's schedule later in the year. We have now learned thanks to Yahoo this spying scandal, this cheating scandal by Michigan even bigger than that. I'll tell you the details when we do return it's Ryan Hickey with you right here. On CBS Sports Radio. This is Hick at Night. Here's Ryan Hickey. Nice rejoin. Andrew Scarpaci doing a great job, producing this show. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Very fitting rejoin song choice there, Andrew. The boys are back. Cause guess what is back? Not the boys for Michigan, but drama. The drama does continue for the Michigan Wolverines football program, and now we have more developments on this cheating scandal, and we're now starting to understand the uh, the scope of just how big this operation was. So gauge up to speed very quickly here. Michigan, there is a Michigan staffer by the name of Connor Stallions who is being accused, and again, this is all alleged, nothing has been at the moment proven to be factual and 100% true so we're operating right now under the alleged category, I guess is the best way to put it. But he is allegedly being accused of buying tickets, according to ESPN, to 30 different Big Ten games across three years in order to go to games, sit in the stands, and film the team that they're that he's going to watch, film their signals, right, And an advanced scout to get the signals on video to then be able to decode so by the time Michigan plays them later in the season, they have the answers to any signal that the other team makes. They know what it is. That, according to the NCAA, is illegal. You cannot go to uh, a different stadium and scout a future opponent in person. You cannot do that. And you definitely cannot go to a future opponent stadium, scout in person, and take video. Of that game. Cannot do it. So two laws right there that Michigan has allegedly broken by going to games of future opponents in person and then also videoing the signals the coaches were making. Now, again, 30 games, 30 Big Ten games over three years is allegedly what Connor Stallion's, this again, Michigan staffer is accused of at least buying the tickets, and then sending different people to different games in order to get the videos and send it back. And now, released by Ross Dellinger at Yahoo Sports about a half hour ago, not even, we have now learned that the Michigan cheating scandal goes beyond just Big Ten games. So according to Ross, he is reporting that last year, Stallions bought tickets to Tennessee against Kentucky in Neyland Stadium, uh, this is on or close to Halloween, I believe. That was when Tennessee was 7-0 and eventually got up to number one in the country before they played Georgia. So a potential college football playoff opponent, that is a game and that is a a team that Stallions and Michigan circled. They got tickets. They sent people to that game. Also had um, tickets and went to games for Alabama, for the SEC Championship games, for Clemson as well. They looked at not just Big Ten opponents, but they started about midway through the season scouting and looking at potential college football playoff opponents to buy tickets around the 50-yard line to get someone in the stands to illegally video the team's signals in order to have that on file so they can use that to decode and, again, be able to know the signs and be able to predict what is coming offensively and defensively to adjust to it, all of that illegal. That's a big deal. We are now getting more and more information, and I don't see number one why um why this is like if you think this is how you think this is not a big deal this is a massive deal. This is the Houston astros cheating schedule two point and now it's like you're looking at just the just how big this is three year time period, which also by the way coincides with the best three years Michigan has had in thirty years. And now you're seeing it expand to other conferences as well in order to get an uh, get an edge when it comes to college football playoff time. This is a massive, massive deal. When more details come, come out. I don't see how Jim Harbaugh survives this. I don't. Michigan, whether they want to or not, have to fire him if, if again, big if, this is proven to be true. But a perspective I want to hear that I'm interested in is Colorado head coach, Deion Sanders. He was asked about this today at his press conference. He being right. A current coach, but also a former player on how much sign stealing does impact your ability to have success on the field. Here's coach prime. I get what Deion saying. You got to stop it, but is that the same thing? I could say the same logic then for baseball. Well, you know, a curveball's coming. You got to hit it. Same thing. You can know a pitch is coming. If you aren't good, then it's not going to matter for you. I could tell you if, Hey, I'm throwing a fastball. If you stink at baseball, I could blow the fastball by you, no problem. With how good Michigan is, if now all of a sudden they, through illegal means, are able, if they're on defense, to look across the other sideline, seeing a coach hit his right arm and know what that means in terms of, oh, the sweep is coming, Michigan is absolutely good enough to snuff that out and stop it. You're not going to get it every time. right? Just like the Astros when they were cheating and banging their trash cans, they still made 27 outs a game. They won the World Series in 2017, but they still, you know, right? Recorded outs 27 times a game. They didn't hit home runs in every single pitch they knew was coming. But over the course of the season, over the course of the playoffs, you know every pitch that's coming, all of a sudden now, you can have a lot more success here uh, more, more often than not. And so Michigan, sure, you can allow a touchdown or two. You can get burned. You can know the sweep is coming and still maybe on one play not stop it. But I guarantee you this, if Michigan knew 95% of the plays that are coming in on, from any given opponent before the play is, is or the, before the ball is snapped, you were having a lot more success than normal, right? If you were taking a test and you didn't know the answer, there's multiple choice, A, B, C, and D, you're going to guess, well, it's a one out of 25 chance. You get it right. Well, what if I illegally went to you before the test and said, Hey, look, I don't know the answer but I can tell you what it's not. It's not C and it's not D. So now you go into the test saying, okay, well, I don't know if it's A or B, but I have a 50% chance of guessing and getting it right versus a 25% chance when it's A, B, C, and D. That's basically what Michigan is is having, an offense and defense. You are not going to have success every single play offensively and defensively, but if you know what is coming if you're on defense, if you know offensively what the other team is running in terms of blitz, non-blitz, zone, man, scheme, you're not going to score a touchdown or get a stop every single play, but you're going to have so much more success. And you look at right now Michigan's record. Again, the cheating is allegedly gone back or uh, started, I should say, in 2021. You look at Michigan pre-cheating in the Jim Harbaugh era, 2015 to 2020. 69% win percentage. 6-11 and 11 versus Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State. No Big Ten titles. No finishes in their own division above third place. All of a sudden, they start cheating. They start learning the signals and be able to decode them illegally. Now, on offense can predict what the defense is doing, and on defense know what the offense is running. All of a sudden now, in that three- or two-and-a-half-year time span, you go from a 69% win percentage to 92%. They've won 92% of their games since 19, uh, since 2021. They are 6 and 1 against their three arch rivals. Have won the Big 10 twice, two college football playoff appearances. Coincidence? Doesn't seem like it. That's why this is a big deal and now you're starting to see with Yahoo's reporting. With ESPN's reporting, this is a massive operation. This is not just one guy going to a game, videoing the signals and just keeping it for himself and sending it in an innocuous email to a coach. This is an elaborate scheme. And there is no way in hell you can convince me that Jim Harbaugh did not know this was going on. So again, as long as this is proven to be true and more and more details are coming out, again, the latest from Yahoo Sports and now Michigan Um, had bodies at Tennessee's games, at Alabama's games, at the SEC Championship games each of the last two years. They have started scouting college football playoff teams on top of just Big Ten teams illegally and trying to steal their signs illegally. You see just how big this is, and it's too big of an operation for Jim Harbaugh not to know, which is why if he didn't, and this is all proven true, he's got to be fired, without a doubt. This is the Astros cheating scandal 2.0. Oh. Love to hear your thoughts. 855-212-4227. 212 Is this a big deal? Should, if proven true, should Jim Harbaugh be fired for this elaborate cheating scandal put on by a lower-level staffer? 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. When we return, we'll continue to update you on the latest with Michigan and the ever-evolving details of their cheating scandal, but also, also, it was a rough weekend for some good, not great coaches. Lincoln Riley, James Franklin, Dabo Sweeney. If I ask you right now from this point forward, who do you have the most belief in to win another national title? Who would be? I'll give you my answer when we do return. It's Ryan Hickey with it right here on CBS Sports Radio. This is Hick at Night. Here's Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey here with you on CBS Sports Radio. Subscribe to the Hick at Night podcast. That's where you can hear anytime I am on these airwaves right here on CBS Sports Radio, along with bonus material throughout the week. Uploaded to that podcast page, night spelled again, N-I-T-E. Way to listen at your convenience in case you came into the show late today. Got to leave early. Still are able to stay in tune with what we were talking about right here on CBS Sports Radio. Easiest way to do so. Again, Hick at Night. Night spelled N-I-T-E. We have a bomb from Alec Bohm in Game 7. Phillies, Snakes going to the third inning. Tied 1-1. Good pitchers duel so far. Both teams getting some opportunities. But okay, we learned from Yahoo Sports now a few minutes ago that on top of just illegally filming coaches' signals on future Big Ten opponents, Michigan now is also being accused of illegally filming coaches' signals at games that, of, 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 at games, I should say, of teams that they potentially could meet in the college football playoff over the last few years including going to the SEC title game in 2021 and 2022, going to Tennessee last year when Tennessee was number one in the country before they played Georgia in order to film their signals. Michigan has an elaborate cheating scheme. They have used the last three years that coincides with their best three-run stretch in almost 30 years. They've clearly gotten a major advantage from cheating. And now we are slowly starting to find out these details And again, they're all alleged. They've not been proven to be 100% true yet. So I'm not saying Jim Harbaugh and Michigan are guilty. I am not saying that. If the evidence says they're guilty, though, and if the conviction comes down by the NCAA and they find out that there actually is enough evidence to show Michigan has illegally filmed signals, has illegally gained a massive advantage um, in their games, Jim Harbaugh, Has to be fired. Bare minimum. There's no other discussion. He's fired. You cannot have a coach of a program either running, allowing, or ignorant to an elaborate cheating scheme that now spans multiple conferences and a whole lot more than just the other 13 Big Ten teams. This is a major deal. This is a huge scandal here in college football. And I think, again, as long as it's true, if you are Michigan, I think you have no choice but to fire Jim Harbaugh. How about yourself here? 855-212-4227. Marty is calling from Connecticut. Hello, Marty. Hello, Marty. Maybe he's too busy filming. All right, well, we'll check back on Marty later on. Maybe again, he's got his phone out filming Filming something maybe he shouldn't. Jason is calling from Texas. Hello, Jason. How are you doing tonight? Good, buddy. What's going on, man? So my question for you is, is it more embarrassing if they didn't film TCU thinking they wouldn't be there or that they filmed TCU and still lost? I would say film TCU and still lost. That's it? Yeah, sure. That was it. You have a good night. Oh, okay, Jason. You too, buddy. Um, look, in that game specifically, I mean Michigan had a lot of self inflicted errors, right? Uh JJ McCarthy had two pick sixes, uh, some awful goal line play calls and awful goal line offensive management. So Michigan lost that game themselves. They were not outplayed, they gave that game away. But when you really look at it, all right, Michigan right now is gaining an advantage by doing something they shouldn't and now have been able to at least um, benefit from it. The big thing here is if you're the NCAA, again, they move so slow that it's not going to happen. But if they find out this is true and they find out the cheating is going on this year, how can you allow Michigan to play for a national championship? How can you truly sit here And allow a team that you find guilty of cheating illegally during this season to still compete and potentially win a national championship and call it valid. You can't do it. Now, again, the NCAA works at a very slow pace. So, I mean, maybe by 2024, honestly, (laughs) like, they're just so bad at their job that this is not going to come to a head anytime soon, probably. But... If they were truly on it, we'd have a decision sooner rather than later here and have a decision as to whether Michigan is even eligible for the postseason after what they're alleged of doing. Amanda has a great question from Wisconsin. Hello, Amanda. Hey, how's it going? Good. How you doing? Oh, good. And I am in no way a Michigan fan being next door in Wisconsin. I'm just curious how this is different than teams watching film together. Here's the difference, Amanda. The film that you're watching is how the teams play, right, or how they look when they line up. You are not watching um, coaches signal in and whatever give their sign to their offense and or defense to see what play they're running. That's what you don't see. Like, a lot of the the film you're watching is of, like, TV copies. And you watch – I'm assuming you watch college football? Yeah. Right, they show right. They show the coaches sometimes on the sideline. We see them signaling in once or you know here and there. We're not seeing every single play though. They signal in what it looks like on TV. So one sure. sure maybe one or two plays eventually get figured out from watching just on TV. But every single signal that is made is not shown on the film you're watching, and it's only gathered by going into the stadium yourself, sitting at the 45 yard line, which is accused of what Michigan has done. And pointing your phone video-wise at the sideline the entire game and filming what they're signaling in. I am just riveted watching all of this unfold because us Badger fans get a lot of shit from Michigan fans. That they do. That they do, uh, Amanda. A lot of smack talk, especially the last three years. And that's like, that is is a thing that to me is like frustrating in a way. Michigan, as you can look at their success and – Directly equate it to cheating. Is Michigan as truly good the last three years as we've seen? Or is their success in large part due to the fact that they were stealing signs illegally? And just like the Astros in 2017 knew what was coming and therefore had a distinct advantage no other team had. That's the problem here. And that's why this affects so many fan bases. Or like Amanda said, you have Michigan fans talking crap to them anytime you beat them. I mean, Michigan didn't beat Georgia and or TCU. So it's like other fan bases outside of the Big Ten uh, have to deal with Michigan a lot. But Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, a lot of these schools right now, could you feel, do you feel like you got robbed? The answer absolutely can be yes. Joe was calling from Knoxville. Hello, Joe. Brian, you're doing a great job for that. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate the kind words, buddy. Uh, I think there's no way Harbaugh can claim ignorance. It's something that showed up on the field that created a win. And so when your win ratio goes from your 60% to your 90%, then it's going to be really hard in the NCAA investigation to claim ignorance. I agree. And also, too, Joe, you know this, living in Knoxville, right, being right uh, at UT, every – like, college football coaches are control freaks, right? They're always paranoid. They're always freaked out about stuff like this happening, people going into your own stadiums and filming signals and getting an advantage in a game that could determine you if you win or lose. And so they know about everything. Coaches know if the toilet paper in the stall in the facility is changed – From one brand to another, they know about it, they are consulted about it, and they give their approval for it if a change is needed. There is Uh, no way if you're Jim Harbaugh or any head football coach that you could claim ignorance to what we're learning and what we're seeing uh, is a grand cheating scheme. I agree 100%. There's no way your your win ratio can go from the 60% ratio to the 90% ratio, and you not know why. And also, too, and I appreciate the call, Joe. There is plenty. So the man in question, his name is Connor Stallions. He's a, um, a Michigan staffer, former Marine. There is plenty now. Again, now that we have started to learn about the details, there are plenty of screenshots going around social media of Connor Stallions at games, who, again, is the basically the signal coder or the signal, I guess, decoder is probably the best way to put it standing next to when Michigan's defense is on the field, staying next to the defensive coordinator, when the Michigan offense is on the field, standing standing next to the Michigan offensive coordinator, and relaying when he looks on the other sideline, seeing one coach signal one thing to whoever's on the field, he immediately relays that to whatever coach he's staying next to so they can then adjust to whatever the other team's adjusting to. If you're Jim Harbaugh, there is no way you can look at that and say, wow, that guy's just really good at his job. Like, wow. We got lucky. Look at this! Like this guy, just—he's a mind reader. He just comes in here on game day, looks at the other sideline, and is able to decipher what plays they're running just by looking over. This guy's amazing. There is no way Jim Harbaugh didn't know. No way. Which is why, again, he should be guilty. If or I should say, if is found to be guilty, why he should be fired? This is all alleged. This is all accusations. Nothing has been proven true yet. But the more reporting is coming out, and the worse it looks for Michigan, and the worse it looks for Jim Harbaugh. This is really bad. This is really, really bad. I want to kind of continue to talk about it here and reset at the top of the hour. Now that we have, again, more information on top of the information we learned yesterday about just the grand scope of how big this cheating scandal is. So don't go anywhere. We're talking Michigan cheating. Is this a big deal that right now the betting favorite in college football to win the national title is involved in being accused of a massive cheating scandal? 855-212-4227. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio.